All right. Hey, everybody. Really, really good to see you. And those of you who are here at Legacy as well as everybody online right now, uh, wherever you are, or at one of our other locations. Uh, really, really glad that you're here. And today we are continuing the series we started last week called You Are, which is built around four labels, four things that God calls you and me if you're a Jesus follower. And if you're not a Jesus follower, this would be part of what you're signing up for if you chose to do that. Um, but he calls us these four things and all four of them are things if you at least at first glance or first hearing of it doesn't sound like something that I would ever be called like, you know, so last week we talked about saint and, you know, some of you may feel like you're, you know, oh, yeah, that sounds right. But most people will be like, yeah, I don't know who you're talking to, but I'm no saint. Right. So we talked about that last week, how it's actually one of the more common things that Christians are called. In fact, Christians weren't called Christians in the New Testament, except by outside people outside the faith. Inside the faith, the most common way Christians are referred to in the New Testament is saint, holy one, righteous. And you're like, what? You know, how are we that? And yet we're still sinners becoming saints. And yet we've been declared saint. Well, that's that's last week. Let me encourage you to go back and watch that one if you missed it. This week is another one that when if somebody, you know, said this to you, you'd be like, yeah, you're not talking to me. You got you must be confused because this one today we're talking about priest. One of the things that God calls you and me, in fact, it's not just calls, he tags you and me if we're Jesus followers to be priests, all of us, not just a few of us, all of us. And you think, well, what does that mean? Well, it means a lot. It, it comes with a lot of responsibility and a lot of privilege. And if we don't understand it, then we'll whiff on both. And we don't want to whiff on both. We want to engage both because they're really important and really cool, as we'll see. Because the, the concept of priest comes with a whole lot of status and status is a good thing to have. Right. By status, I mean, you have normal people and then you have people with status, you know, like VIPs, you know, like and uh, like if you ever fly, you know, you get to be in the priority lane, you know, with status or uh, another example of that normal people and VIP people and how it's different is Disney World. Um, so Disney World is something I, I've thought a little bit, a bit about this year because uh, we have a granddaughter and, and when Kinsey was pregnant with her, uh, Christy let me know, hey, um, Christy's my wife. She said, hey, uh, you know, we got to start saving now, right? Because we're going to be taking our family, grandkids and all, we're like we're going to Disney World and you got to start saving now. And uh, and so we did. And then and then whenever we make a major purchase, still, it's pretty common for her to say, well, it's fine if we do that, as long as we're still on track for di- if we can't do this and not do then we're not doing it. Right. And then I, I started putting the numbers to that to understand why she says that, because it's crazy expensive. Yeah, and even just going as a normal person, it's crazy expensive, you know. Right. And, and by as a normal person, I mean, where you wait in all the lines for rides, if it's really crowded, it could be a couple hours of getting into Space Mountain or whatever you want to do or, um, you know, waiting in line for food and, and at night with the fireworks, trying to get into the crowds, you know, before everybody else that you get a good, you know, you can actually see the fireworks, not just hear them around the corner, things like that. And but there's another way to do Disney. And that's with status. You could do the VIP tour. And if you choose to do Disney as a VIP, it's different because you don't wait in lines for rides. You don't wait in line for food. 
Uh, you have a special parking area and they make it really easy. They transport you from park to park if you want to without any hassle. Right. You just kind of cruise on through Disney, the firework thing. you have your own little area with other VIP people, other people with status so that you can watch the fireworks. with all the other riff without the riffraff, the normal people out there. Right. You get and anybody can do it. Anybody can be a VIP. If you pay for it, but boy, do you pay for it? So when I was looking at this, you know, how much does that cost? It depends on the season, but it's anywhere from four hundred and fifty dollars to seven hundred dollars an hour, an hour for your group. Now, I'm no math genius, but that adds up really quick. I know that. Right. And so and I know my wife, Christy, is really frugal in which, you know, praise Jesus for that. But I know when she you know, when she she's like, well, let's find a way to even though it's expensive. We're saving up for this It's a big like we let's do it right. Let's do it that way. Right. I think she would. I don't know. I haven't talked to her about it yet, but we're working on it. Right. Because it'd be a whole lot better to do it with status than without status. Well, the whole concept of priest is similar, except you don't have to pay for it. Jesus paid for it. So we're going to see. And he offers you and me the status, the priesthood to be priests. And we need to understand what that means, like status. And what is the opportunity? What is the responsibility of being a priest? Because in the Old Testament era leading up to Jesus um, in relationship with God, you did have kind of a two tier system. You had the normal people and then you had the priests and the priests would represent the normal people to God. But they had they could go into God's presence much more closely than normal people. And they ministered God's grace in different ways to normal people. But normal people were kind of sidelined compared to the priest and what the priest could do and all that. And you see that really clearly, most clearly in the way it worked in the temple system, because in the old in the Old Testament era leading up to Jesus, uh, if you wanted to meet with God, if you wanted to spend time with God or what, it wasn't just like us, like we do now. You would go to a physical place in Jerusalem, the temple, and that's where God dwelt. And that's where you would meet with him. And I'm going to do a little bit of artwork because last week I got a lot of good feedback from my artwork. And uh, in fact, there was there was even a girl that was like, you know, you just inspire me. Not really. But uh, um, but I will do. So this is uh, um, this is the Old Testament temple. OK, so you have. So out here is the court of the Gentiles. Gentiles were non-Jewish people. And there was a place that they could go and they would travel and all that to be part of the worship system. Um, but they had their own area. And then here was the, well, let me draw this. So here was the outer court where if you were Jewish or a convert to Judaism, you could go into the outer court. That's where they did the sacrifices down here um, and that kind of thing. And then you had... You know, if you really want it for the VIP ticket, this is where it's at. So you had two areas of the temple, the holy place and the most holy place or the holy of holies. So you had the holy place, the holy of holies, holy place, most holy place. Only the priests could go into the holy place. Normal people couldn't go into the holy place. The priest would do that for on your behalf and they would do different things there and worship of God on your behalf. But. If you were just if you weren't a priest, you didn't get into the holy place. But the really exclusive place, the real VIP area was the holy of holies, the most holy place. Now, that was important because that was the symbolic 
locus of God's presence on the planet. The truth is God is everywhere. And, you know, but in, in his throne is is in the heavens, right in heaven and all that. But on the earth, in the temple, he had this area that was the focus of his presence. If you wanted to go into the presence of God, the most holy place. But it was really exclusive. Priests couldn't go in there either. Only one priest, the high priest, could go in to the most holy place. And there was this big, thick curtain that separated the holy place and the most holy place. The priest could, the high priest could only go in once a year on the Day of Atonement. And only do a, a, a few things. And even to go into the most holy place, he had to, as a sinful person, he had to do all these cleansing rituals and wear these, all these special robes and clothes and all this symbolized, all this stuff. It would take hours to, for him to even get ready to do that. He had to do everything just right. And if he didn't do everything just right, like when he got into the most holy place, if he did something wrong, he'd be struck down dead. So the tradition tells us, history tells us that that they started because that happened. They started uh, sewing little bells around the hem of the robe um, and and they attached a rope to the high priest's ankle. So that if he messed up, they would hear the dingling of the bells. Maybe that's where we call people dinglings. Maybe that's where they came from. I don't know. But when dingling did something wrong, he would dingling fall down dead because if somebody else tried to go near to pull him out, they'd be struck down dead. So they had the rope around the ankle. They would pull him out. And I am not a detailed person. So if I was the high priest, I would last about three minutes. And then you hear me go, uh oh, and then bam, that'd be it. Right. Dingling. And they pull me out and that'd be it. Some of you would be way better at that than me. Uh, Christy would be way better at that than me. But that's the most holy place. You go, well, why? So ex- like, why? Like, why is that so exclusive? And why all this stuff? Like, why? It's because God is holy. God is without sin. You and I as sinful people, you know, originally Adam and Eve hanging out in the garden, all that, that, no sin. But with sin, that changed everything. And for sinful people to go into the presence of a holy God is a big problem. And that's why only one person could do it on behalf of the whole nation to atone for sin. And with all these sacrifices on that day of atonement, only one person, one day, like that's exclusive. And it wasn't like the kind of relationship with God we talk about. So when Jesus comes, he changes everything really radically, restoring people to a relationship with God, the kind that we were created to have, reconciling people to him. We talked about that last week with saints uh, that were called saints, how Jesus came to be the final sacrifice for sin, to pay the penalty for your sin and mine so that we can not only be forgiven, but that when you and I begin a relationship with God through faith in Jesus, you and I are declared righteous so that God sees you and me not as sinful people anymore. He sees you and me as righteous, as completely as righteous as Jesus is, as totally perfect, which opens up access for you and me. God no longer dwells in a temple. God now dwells in us. We're the temple of God. We're the temple of the spirit, our own hearts, our own lives. He is closer than close so that you and I can go into God's presence Anytime we want it, which is nuts to think about it from an Old Testament perspective. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. But that's what Jesus came to bring a whole different kind of relationship as our high priest. In fact, in Matthew 27, when you read about Jesus's crucifixion, it says, then Jesus shouted out again and he released his spirit, meaning he that's when he died. At that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The curtain between the holy place and most holy place was ripped in half. Why? Because he 
made it possible. No longer are we kept out. Now we're invited into God's presence through Jesus because of what he did, which is really pretty crazy to think about. And you might think at that point that he would abolish the priesthood because the idea of a priest is they would represent you as a normal person before God. And you had to go through somebody to get to God. Now, Jesus is our high priest. We all have access. So he would just do away the priesthood. But he doesn't. He doesn't do away with the priesthood. He expands it. And now he tags everybody who becomes a Jesus follower. He says, "Okay, you're now a priest with incredible privilege and incredible responsibility. All of us are priests. First Peter two, we read this. What's more, you are his holy. What? Priests. Who? You. You are his holy priests through the mediation of Jesus Christ. You offer spiritual sacrifices that please God as we serve him, as we give, as we encourage, as we engage what God's doing. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Now, we'll talk about what all that means, but it means the big idea is that you and I are priests if we know Jesus. Which means the next time somebody asks you, hey, so what do you do? You know, normally you'd say whatever you do, like, oh, I'm a teacher, right? I'm an engineer at Raytheon or whatever you do, right? You just say, yeah, but now you can say, oh, I'm a priest. But you probably, as a person who's a pastor, you probably don't want to say that because it freaks people out, shuts down the conversation, just so you know. But try it. Why not? But what does that mean that you're a priest? Because you are. But what does that mean? Like I was even going to, what I wanted to do was give everybody a little priest collar. This weekend, seriously, at all of our campuses, but that would, you know, it'd take several thousand, you'd have to get several thousand of those and, um, and it, it's, which adds up and we're saving for Disney and the VIP tour. And I didn't want to frustrate my wife. I didn't want to frustrate Christy because, well, we can't go to Disney because we gave all these chase soakers, these old priest collars and, um, and they're just going to throw them away anyway or whatever. So, um, and, and I don't want to frustrate Christy because today is our 33rd anniversary. Um, so yeah. And, um, if you don't know Christy, uh, yet, um, try to, she, uh, she goes to legacy on Friday night. Uh, she's awesome and, uh, serves at our, uh, campus at Woodbridge campus, um, on the weekends too. But, uh, she's an amazing person and, um, I'm very thankful that I get to do life with her. So I don't want to frustrate her. So you don't get a priest collar, but you are a priest. And that comes with a lot, again, a lot of status. So let's talk about what that looks like. Two big things we're going to talk about. The first one is, as a priest, you have full access to God. Meaning you don't have to go through anybody because Jesus is our high priest. And he's granted us full access to God. Meaning you and I can go right into God's presence. All this rigmarole people, like that's gone. Now you and I and Jesus can go right into his presence on demand anytime because we are declared righteous Not only that, we're also adopted as his sons and his daughters so that prayer, and I've talked about this before, a picture of prayer is going right into the throne room of the father, right onto his lap and talking to our father who who said, call me daddy. Now, that's a crazy relationship, but that's what I mean. I would be stoned to death in the Old Testament era for just saying what I just said, because it would be considered blasphemy. It was so different than what they could have conceived that Jesus came to bring. And so we read about that kind of access in Hebrews. Last week we were in Hebrews uh, chapter 10. And the very next part of that passage is this. 
And so because of what Jesus did by making us saints and declaring us righteous and removing our, the guilt of our sin. Here's what that means in terms of access to God. He says in 1020 of Hebrews. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place. We just go right right into God's presence. Because of the blood of Jesus, by his death, Jesus opened up a new and life giving way through the curtain that was there. The curtain is irrelevant now into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. You and I, we take it kind of for granted in the New Testament era, probably prayer and going into God's presence the way we can. Maybe we even yawn when we think about it. But I'm telling you, from an Old Testament perspective, from a perspective of most of history, the opportunity that you and I have with full access to God to be with him anytime is just unbelievably crazy. Because you and I don't come sneaking in as sinful people and God's holding his nose. You and I aren't sinful people. We are and we're becoming saints. But he declares us saints because of what Jesus did. And therefore he sees us as righteousness. We come as his child right onto the lap of the father in a way that is just unreal. And so this summer, why not take more, you know, as we have a little bit of different time and travel and all that. Take even more time to be in God's presence. It's why our app, the Chase Oaks app is there to help just guide. What does it look like to spend time with God? And it's a daily little opportunity to do that. But access to God is not just about us being with God. It is. But that's not the priest part. The priest, like an idea of priest is a go between between other people and God. You and I are go betweens when it comes to access to God. What does that mean? Well, most people don't know that they can have that kind of access to God. And that's why you and I are here as priests to let people know that they can have full access to God, that their sins could be taken away, that they can come into God's presence at any time. That's why, as we just read in first Peter, you are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can do what as a priest? Show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. That those of us who've been called out of darkness into light, God has placed us in dark places everywhere he's placed us. Why? To demonstrate the goodness of God, to let other people know, to proclaim the goodness of God, how they can come to know God through faith in Jesus because of the good and wonderful thing that God has done to make that possible. And if you and I don't tell them, there's really no plan B. God, that's the way God wants to reach the world is through uh, us as a church corporately, as we are God's people doing what we're doing in the world, demonstrating the goodness of God and individually everywhere he's placed us at work, at school, at neighborhood and family. He's placed us there so that we can let other people know how they can come to know God through faith in Jesus and have full access to him. And we should be urgent about that. Something we should be praying about all the time about people in our life who don't know Jesus yet. And just say, man, in my neighborhood, in my work, in my school, on my team, at my club, you know, wherever we are, that we're there to be priests and to let people know, to share our story, to share the love of Jesus and serve people in a way that makes them say, hey, why are you doing that? Like, what's your deal? Or why do you live the way you live? Or, and be ready to share why we live the way we live, to invite people into the corporate testimony. Hey, why don't you come come in? And, you know, I'm on this journey, faith journey, and I'd love for you to join and just to be more urgent about that. Let me just give one little example of that. 
Actually, kind of a big one. So this was a number of years ago. We, we supported a guy named Jim Peterson out of our outreach stuff. We support missionaries and Jim Peterson uh, at the time uh, was a missionary. When we started missionary in Brazil with an organization called the Navigators, he worked with college students, really effective guy. And we paid like half his salary. So it's like it's, it's a lot, you know, so um, and and then he went to the national part of the organization, the Navigators. He's written some great books, by the way. Uh, like one of them is called The Insider. It'd be a great book to read this summer if you say, man, I want to, how do I live in a way that can help people who don't know Jesus in my life come to know Jesus in a way that doesn't get all screwed up and they think I'm arrogant or what? It's just a great, it's great, called The Insider. But, so, and he's written a number of books, but they're, and they're all good, but that's a good one. So, anyway, I found out he was in town. So I called him to say, hey, Jim, I'd love to connect. And, because uh, I've never really connected with him before. Now, we pay how much of his salary? Do you remember? Half his salary, right? So I'm thinking this is a no-brainer. Of course, he's going to want to talk to me. So I, I call him and uh, you say, hey, I hear you're going to be in Dallas. I'd love to spend time. And he said, oh, man, you know, I look forward to when that's possible. But not on this trip. Because he said, here's the deal. You, you know, you know, Jesus, you're going to heaven. I know Jesus. I'm going to heaven. We'll have all eternity one day to do that. And so let's just postpone it. Like. Let's not do it now. Let's do it when we're in heaven. We can spend all the time we want because I'm coming to Dallas to hang out with people who don't know Jesus. And right now they're not going to be in heaven. I want to make sure they're there and we can all hang out together. So if it's okay with you, I'm going to tell you no, because it's way more strategic to spend time with people who aren't going to heaven already. And and my first instinct, my first thought, this is sinful part of me was like, dude, we pay half your salary. That, seriously, I mean, I was like, you know, I was like offended a little bit. But then it's like, you know, the Holy Spirit is God who's in it. He's like, dummy, come on. He gets it. Like, that's, that's why we're here. And, and so why not make this summer just add some urgency to people in our life who don't know Jesus and our family, in our work, in our school, on our team, in our neighborhood, in our family. What, what, well, I already said it, but where, wherever, you know, people are. Because we're priests with the opportunity to let people know how they can come to know God because of what Jesus has done. Most people don't know that. And how are they going to know? Well, that's our responsibility. Well, not only that, you and I have full access to God and therefore as priests, opportunity to let others know how they can have full access to God. But here's the other thing. And this one's I mean, it gets even better that you and I as priests have a calling. You and I have full access to God and you and I have a calling, a ministry. You are a minister. You are a priest. If you know Jesus, all of us have a calling. Now, typically the way we think, we, we still think a lot of times like it's, it's the Old Testament two tier system. You had normal people and then you had priests and priests had a calling. Normal people had jobs. And even now, I think it's just easy to think like that, that people like me and my, you know, I'm a pastor and I get paid full time to do this. You think, well, yeah, Jeff, you have a calling. You know, I don't have a calling. I have a job, but I'm not called to ministry like you like you have a calling. And, and that's really a common way to think. Right. In fact, if I ever talk about my job as a job every now and then, people say, no, don't call it a job. You don't have a job. You have a calling like I cheapen what I do if I call it a, a job. And, and, and the rest of you, if you don't get paid by a church or some nonprofit organization, you have a. You have a job, but you don't really have a calling. As we're going to see, that's just messed up thinking. Like, 
you know, I because I do get paid like I I'm like a professional Christian. I get paid to be a Christian. It's kind of a kind of an interesting gig. Right. And so you think I'd be better at it. But but I do get paid to be a Christian. And and therefore, like it always happens, like any anywhere I am, if somebody, you know, guess who's going to always pray for the food. Right. Well, Jeff, you're the pro. You know, and so so it's kind of like, well, OK, all you amateurs step out of the way. God, we thank thee for that. You know, all that. Right. Is you know, like I'm going to do some incredible thing, prayer that nobody else can do, which it doesn't work that way. And, and we're going to say because we all have access to God. We're all believer priests. We all have a ministry. We all have a calling. But again, it's just I know it's a little different. Like a lot of times people will ask me. This is pretty common. We'll say, Jeff, how did you know you were called to ministry? Tell me your calling story. And honestly, I don't. It's not that great of a story. And so I always feel pressure to, you know, I wish it could be better um, because, you know, like, like, like I've never made it up. I've never done this, but I think this is would be my story if I start making it up is say, oh, here's here's how I knew I was in. I was in high school and I was driving down the road, new driver, 16 years old. And all of a sudden these angels appeared on the road and they picked up my car in the air. And they took me all the way in the clouds like I was flying. And then and then I saw Jesus like Jesus appeared. And he's like, Jeff, you're going to be a pastor. I'm calling you right now to be a But you're you've got a calling. You're not just going to do a job. You're going to be a pastor. And so when you get that back down there, I want you to drive, you know, drive right into that life and make sure you go to college and make sure you go to graduate school in a way that will train you to be a pastor because you have a calling. Wouldn't that be a great story? And then the angels put me back down. It's like, whoa, what just happened? It's amazing. Right? Everybody be like, wow, write a book, go on TV. I don't have that story. But I know for 100%, 100% sure that I ha- I'm called to ministry. But I also know for 100% sure that if you are a believer, you also are called to ministry. We all have a calling. And God doesn't have to appear in the clouds. He's already revealed it right here. He's already told us. So, for example, Ephesians four, um, Ephesians four, one says, as a prisoner of the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Now, he's not talking to the pastors of the church. He's talking to everybody in the church. That all of us have a calling. He goes on to Ephesians four to talk about that calling. And it includes our ministry that we all have a ministry. We all have a part to play in what God is doing in the world through the church. Not just the people who get paid to do it, but everybody. Ephesians two ten, just a little bit earlier, a couple chapters earlier, he'd already said, for we, all of us are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do the good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do that before you were even born, God had already set you apart for something to do a work to do. And he designed you as his handiwork. He designed you with gifts and abilities to do that. And all of us come to this planet with a calling, with a destiny. And when you and I begin a relationship with Jesus, all of us are called to ministry. We all have a ministry, not just those of us who get paid to do that, who have pastor in front of our name. It's all of us have a ministry. And we'll see that even more. Another in first Corinthians 12, Paul talks about that. He said there are different gifts, kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, It is the same God at work. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. What Paul is saying, he goes on. I wish I could read the whole chapter. I don't have time to do that. And you can say, thank you, Jesus. I'm not going to do that because it'll take longer. But um, but what he's saying is 
everybody has a ministry. The manifestation of the spirit to do works of ministry is given to everybody, every believer, not just a few, to all of us, to everybody. And in fact, all of us have been given. That's what he says. Unique gifts and abilities in order to do that. Now, some of us get, you know, get paid like I get paid to do this. And you think, well, yeah, but that makes you special. Right. Because you're like, you know, like you're on staff. Like, you know, and we have, you know, I don't know, hundred and how many people we have on staff. And you're like well, those people like those are the people in ministry. But that's not the deal. It's OK to pay people to do ministry and all it, it, that happened really early in the in the story of the church, like almost right away. But it's not prescribed to do that in the church. You don't have to do that. And some churches don't have that. It's just purely pragmatic. That early on in the church, they, as the churches got bigger, they decided, hey, you know what? We need some people who are going to give full time attention to the organization and to do, you know, some people are gifted leaders and they need it, it's a big organization. It's going to take all their time to help lead that organization. Some people are gifted teachers. It's going to take more time for some are administrate. You know, we need that. And so that happens. And now we have church staffs and people like me who get paid to do this. And but that doesn't make my calling somehow any more special than anybody else's. It just makes sense to do that. Now, at some point, it's not going to make sense to do that. At some point, I'm going to get old and decrepit. And some of you are like, you're pretty close. And uh, and I don't know when that's going to be, but it'll be time to hand off the lead pastor role to somebody else. Don't get too excited. It's not soon. Some of you are like, yeah, um, just, you know, be patient. But uh, uh, one day, I don't know when, but one day that'll happen. And then where does that leave me? Am I now sidelined? Because... Now I, I'm not paid to be a pastor. No, I'm not sidelined. What will my job be? The same thing it is now to be faithful, to use my gifts and abilities to be part of what God is doing in the world through his church. And whether I get paid for it or not, I mean, I've got two gifts. It's, there's only two things I'm good at leading and teaching everything else. I kind of stink. And uh, and right now I'm feeling that because the other parts of our executive team, Jack and Glenn are out this month and I'm doing more of their stuff. And I realize how bad I am at it and how good they are. But, you know, so I've just asked our staff, look, let's just don't have any problems right now. Like, let's just keep it going. I've asked I've already asked God to put Satan on vacation and all that. Just to keep it going in, in the month of June. And then Glenn will be back. Jack will be will be all good because there's only so my job is just to be faithful, to use my gifts and abilities. And if it makes sense that some people, you know, hey, come on staff, do that, then it makes sense. But that's all it is. And all of us have a calling. All of us have a ministry. And Paul goes on in 1 Corinthians 12 to talk about that. And he describes the church as like our human body and how our human body has all these different parts with different functions. And he like some people, you know, like the body has ears and eyes and nose. Right. And all this and a mouth and every part we need. There's no spare parts in the body of Jesus. And you've been gifted. All of you, all of us have been gifted uniquely with a essential function to do. Everybody's important, whether you're a foot or a head or a nose or whatever. We're all important. And some of you may feel like, I don't know about that. I feel like kind of like the appendix in the body of Christ. Like nobody knows what it's there for. And then, you know, it causes problems and people get rid of you. That's what I feel like. And uh, but nobody is the appendix. Okay, we're all and I don't know, maybe. But the appendix has some purpose. I don't know what it is. But all of us has a role. All of us have a role to play. In fact, if you're not engaged in what God is doing around here, Let me encourage you to get engaged because we can't fully be the church that God wants us to be in the world and in this community. If you don't, we're all essential. 
And so begin to serve and begin to find out, hey, what are my gifts and abilities? Some people, I mean, he gives examples of that in the New Testament in places like Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, uh, in 1 Peter 5, where it talks about different gifts and abilities. Some people are teachers. Some people are leaders. Some people are administrators. Some people are givers. They, they just have this ability to, to generate resources and give it away. Some people are, uh, you know, shepherd kind of people, not like of sheep, but, you know, like caring people, you know, uh, compassionate people like and, you know, those people, because if if somebody falls down, they don't laugh. They go, oh, can I help you? Right. Sometimes a lot of times if I, you know, so, uh, I, I feel bad sometimes because sometimes my first instinct is not so good. Like if I'm skiing or whatever, I see somebody fall. Anyway, I don't know why I'm saying that, but. But a compassionate person be like, oh, man, I want to make sure they're OK. I'll eventually get there. It just takes me a little bit longer. Right. But people with the gift of compassion. Right. We all have different gifts and abilities and they're all really important. And so let me encourage you to to find yours. And a lot of that is where you're good, where you get joy, what's actually effective. You just start serving in ministry. And if you're not serving, let me encourage you to take a step this summer to start serving and what God is doing here in the church. I know some of you are here and you're like. Man, I just need some space. A lot of people come new to church hurt, like either exhausted or hurt by some other church context. I came to hear it that way. So I get that. So that takes time and you need to heal. You need to kind of hang out. Cool. I get it. But at some point, God will call us to say, hey, don't be on the sidelines. It just engage. Um, but that's one sphere, the church. God has given you other spheres in your life, too. They're part of your calling, your family. Your work. Your neighborhood, all that is part of your calling, your school. You're, you're called to be God's person wherever he's placed you, to be God's priest there. And by faithfully doing what you're doing, you're actually lifting up that environment in a way that God wants you to. We're going to do a series on work in, uh, starting this in the fall um, just to say, hey, let's see our work as ministry. What would that mean? And it is part of our calling because it is part of you. It's not just people like me that have a calling. I do have a calling, but so do you. We all have a calling and, and we need to understand that and be faithful to it. So let's put all this together, because one of the crazy things God calls you and me, it's not just what he calls us. He gives us the responsibility, the status and the opportunity calls you priest. So last week I had everybody say their first name and then put Saint in front of it, like Saint Jeff. That's my name. Um, this time I want you to just go ahead and say right now, just say your last name out loud. Go ahead. All right. This time I want you to say it again, but put reverend in front of it. Okay, go ahead. Does that sound natural? Um, Probably not. And uh, because reverends are not normal people. Trust me. I know. But you and I are all reverends. We're all priests if we know Jesus. And he wants to use you right where you are and in this church because you have a calling and you've been gifted to do this. And it means you have full access to God. You don't have to go through anybody else because Jesus is our high priest. He's given us full access. You go right into the presence of God. You have the red phone, just like anybody. Nobody has it more than you do. You have full access to God. And the responsibility to be urgent about letting others as priests know to be the go-between, how they can come to know God, too, through faith in Jesus. And you have a calling, as we've talked about. So priests, reverends, uh, let's go, go before God in prayer right now and just take this to him to say, God, I want to be faithful to live my calling and to live this out. And, uh, and let's pray. 
Father, first of all, I thank you for Jesus, our great high priest. Who gave his life on the cross. So that we. The guilt of our sin could be taken away. To have the relationship with you that you always wanted. And that sin messed up. And so, God, we thank you that you have given us full access to you. Not only that, you, you've, called, you've adopted us as sons and daughters. And when Jesus came, he said, hey, when you pray, start with calling God Daddy. And that's crazy. But that's your grace and that's your love and that's your mercy. And so, Father, help us understand that as your priests, that we have full access and huge responsibility to let others know. And that we have a calling both in this church that you've, or whatever church you've led us to, or as well as our jobs and our family and our neighborhood, that we're there as priests. God, help us to live faithfully into our calling. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.